Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. My name is Joe. We are talking to you here at Double Trouble Features Podcast. Jordan, how are you doing today? You know what? I'm doing great. Um, uh, my Chiefs, Go Chiefs, Red Kingdom, um, are in another Super Bowl. And if you're annoyed that they're in a Super Bowl, I don't care. <laughs> you know what? People can be annoyed all they want. Everyone just hates to see a winner win, and that's fair. But we're going to keep winning, and that is what it is. I saw, you know, 20-plus years of losing. Yeah. And so I'm happy I finally get my time. Like, look, here's the thing. We have three three Super Bowl trophies, yep. championship trophies, and uh, two of them are from this century. So, like, let us have our Ws, please. Like, why, why did everybody turn on us so fast? I don't get it. Anyways. Yeah, because there's a lot of other teams that haven't even won one, and we're just hogging them now. And I'm okay with that. Look, it's hard. It's lonely at the top. I don't know what to tell you. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. But speaking of heads that wear crowns, we have some great things to talk to you about here on the podcast. Again, this is Double Trouble Features, the weekly podcast where we talk about everything, pop culture, film, television, whatever, streaming. And you know what's been streaming a lot lately is this football. And you know who's been at these? Taylor Swift. Miss Swift, if you will. Yeah, um, Taylor Swift is changing the landscape of the NFL right now. Um, is she? Yeah, we're going to dive in just a little bit on her. Um, I I saw this, and I'm still shocked, but not that shocked. I understand, like, why people don't like seeing Taylor Swift for the Chiefs games. You're, you're trying to watch the game. Randomly, every time Travis Kelsey catches a pass, they cut right to her. And if you see it all on your news feeds and stuff like that, I get it. You don't want to see Taylor Swift if you're not a Taylor Swift fan. But if you're the NFL and you see that she generated $330 million just from merchandise, from ads, from everything. And, you know, Jordan, that's a third of a billion dollars that she has... By by doing nothing. Okay, she's putting in her work. Oh, Showing up to a game. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how hard it is to walk up those spirals at the stadium? Especially when you're a little hammered. You know she got an elevator. You know she got an elevator. You know what? I think she's one I think she's the people's princess and I Hell think she nah. walks her ass around. I think she uh really understands what it's like to be a Chiefs fan. And yeah, I think game days are a lot of work. Yeah, but no I I just didn't think that she would generate that much money, especially because, you know, it's mostly for one team. But $330 million on just her appearances along. And this data accounts for print, digital, radio, television, highlights, and social media. And it's only been like four months. Yeah. That's a thing, and here, and honestly, what I always found interesting is when Taylor and Swift and Travis first started getting together, people are always like, oh, well, this, that, and the other. He probably makes more money than her, and everyone was- Who the hell thought that? A lot of dumb men. Jordan, a lot of dumb <laughs> men. Who thought that? Girl, you obviously were not see you were not on Taylor Nation TikTok at the time. These men were fighting for their lives in the comments of these TikToks. And for what? They were all convinced that she did not have the prowess to be up in this or be propped up in this way. They had these things to say, but I saw some like, you know, sarcastic ones of like, man, look at Travis, put her on. 
but I know they were sarcastic. No, no, there's no way anybody genuinely no, actually believes. Jordan, there were people who actually believed it, and it was even got to the point where I saw a trend where they reversed it, and they were like, "Honey, aren't you just so glad that Taylor like finally put Travis on the map?" And these men oh, yeah, lost. I saw that. These yeah. men lost their damn minds. Oh yeah, I'll lose my mind too because they were those people. And then you yeah. saw these men in the comment fighting for them. They're like, uh, "No, Taylor Swift, tread, blah blah blah." Which let people have their flowers. They're both great in their own 100%. right. They're both at the top of their game in their respective careers. His is football. Hers is all of music. The way you said that definitely put Travis down. I'm just going to let you know that. Uh, I mean, but she makes more money. That's what I'm saying. Oh, so money dictates? I'm not saying it dictates. Who's digging her down? Exactly. That's between her and God. (laughs) I don't Um, know who's doing what. The real reason why we're talking about Taylor Swift um, is so this month's wild card game was played between the Chiefs and Dolphins, um, which Taylor Swift attended, set the U.S. live event streaming recording uh, record, while the Chiefs divisional round win last week set the broadcast record for a second round in the playoffs with 50 million fans reporting to tuning into the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Bills, and so but a lot of people were pissed because. Um, about the Chiefs and Dolphins game because you had to go on Peacock to watch a live event. And I'm not going to lie, I watched it on Peacock, and damn, they were flashing that logo everywhere. Oh, yes. Every five seconds, it was Peacock this, Peacock that, and I was streaming only on Peacock, 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 Peacock. And I get it. You're self-advertising like we all of the, everyone does it. Every network does it, that's for sure. But at what point is... It a bit heavy handed, a little too much, I'd say. But like, think about it. Every single game this entire year, besides Thursday games, are on basic cable. So anybody can watch Fox, CBS, or NBC for free. As long as you got an antenna or basic cable, whatever, you get to watch those games for free. But to put a playoff game on a streaming service, and the thing is, they made a fuck ton of money. Yeah, they did, and that's what it's about. They made a fuck ton of money, and then you know that's not going to be the first and last. No, we live in a capitalist society which has an infinite growth model, and the only way to actually create more growth is to isolate from others. Facts. Like, I bet they saw a record number of signups and they're going to sign that off on their quarterly dealing yep. uh, qu- quarterly earnings. And then that's going to go to the stock market. Their stock yep. prices is going to go up and then they're going to start making some dumbass decisions like laying people off. Yep. Uh, let's lay some people off. So, <laughs> but guess what? I got that bonus. I got that fat, but the, multi-million yeah, dollar they bonus. Got, they got their, bo- the people who decided to isolate this. And that's yeah. the thing. Is foot, but football is an entertainment. Should people have to pay for it or should it be free? I think if it's been free for the past 60 years, it should stay free. Like, I understand paying for like a boxing event, it's a once in a lifetime kind of thing, unless you know there's a second time they fight. But there's like, I I guess, I was like, but there's boxing events all the time. Yeah, because like, you're never going to see, you know, another Floyd Mayweather versus, you know, anybody else or like uh, Conor McGregor or any of those big people. So it's a one-time thing. But guess what? I'm going to see the Chiefs play the Raiders or play the Chargers or play the Broncos twice every single year. I shouldn't have to pay for it. Yeah, but that's, 
I think these are different things because I mean you're talking about these franchises with like what how many teammates per team I don't know 53 53 53 men per team mm-hmm. trucking their asses all around the United States should they ha- should we be subsidizing that should the government be subsidizing that it sounds like yes. you're kind of for it. Yeah, 100%. I think the government is just saying, no, this shit should be free because I am actually, and there was an actual multiple congressman who said, uh, who sent to Roger Goodell, who's a commissioner, and said, hey, this should not be on Peacock. This should be free, just like every other game. But because you know the next step, hey, do you really want to see Usher? You're going to have to pay for the Super Bowl. I feel like we've really, I mean, we have treated the NFL like a public service, like a public agency, though. That's America. And But what's also American is the fact that they have the right to revoke that privilege at any time for a dollar. a private company. The NFL is a private company. And one would say, I don't know, I don't know if they would have a monopoly, per se, um, on the American football anything. They don't. Uh, UFL. You're gonna bring up the UFL and the XFL and that <laughs> stupid shit. No, no, UFL and UXFL or something like that combined, and now it's the UFL in spring. Come to you on ABC, ESPN, Fox One, um, anywhere you get your TV in March. And so now we're just gonna have two football leagues that are gonna be equal. And then you got college football. College football is not what we're talking about. It's it, we are on. A they make money. <laughs> You're not, you're just, we're not even making a point at this point. Um, uh, My point is, I don't think that we should be streaming and having to pay these streaming services to be watching these kind of games. But then uh, I would say you would have to like kind of move that towards most entertainment. Why does the NFL get special treatment? Like what, like what other kind of entertainment? Like I pay for movies. I pay for because these are one-time things. This is a yearly kind of thing. You know, this happens every year, happens every single week. I'm not trying to pay for it every week. Okay, you aren't, but there you may people, but you may have to. Yeah, like that's the there. thing is like it's not up to you and you want the government to weigh in. Honestly, we will probably get free football before we get free healthcare. Facts. But like <laughs> Uh, that's what I'm saying is you think that those things should like we should make the NFL free on television just because a lot of people like it. Is that how we should be ju- basing off our things? Again, you don't understand how important football is to America. I, There's a lot. I understand it shouldn't be that important. But it is but, very but, important. But his, but Taylor Swift is in free. Like I have to pay my ass off just to see her on a twenty bucks to see her on a thing. That's not free. Should that be free? She provides a service to America. She just provided three hundred thirty. She just provided three hundred thirty million dollars to your stuff, and yet they're still doing this. So that's kind of what I'm saying. Is like, do I think it should be free? Sure, I think everything should be free. But I don't. I if you if you start picking apart like that, it's gonna give the NFL and then the NBA and then slowly down to the point where they were like, okay, well this is silly, and I just don't know if we're gonna get to a point where the NFL is gonna always be free. And like going into like free free things, um, like the like that talks about the future of like what entertainment's gonna look like, like yeah, doing want- doing things in person versus online reality. Um, like, like you said, the Barbie Airbnb, um, having Disney 
putting 3D experiences in movies. And like, again, I'm not trying to pay for an Apple Vision. I'm not trying to look at, be on my couch, looking at something in 3D or, or not 3D in augmented reality and having to pay, you know, $20 a month for this, $20 like, dollars for this, when just to get the headset, it's going to cost me, you know, $1,000. And it's just like getting to the point where like, what is entertainment anymore? So, okay, I can kind of understand that. You're like, so I paid for my television. I paid for my, whatchamacallit, or I paid for my antenna or whatever you have it through us. So you think it should be free. But I agree. We don't know where the future is going. And that's kind of where, what we're talking about right now is the future of these things is going to lead to how things are done. Right now, we're talking about how... Like you said, Disney Plus is putting 3D experiences and movies on Apple. So we're going to be able to see on the Apple Vision Pro uh, full 3D, uh, like, elemental, frozen. I want to see that frosty tips come at me. But at what point is this going to get to where we are all, like, we're like, oh, I'm going to the concert tonight and just slipping our goggles on. Have you ever seen Demolition Man? Yeah. I love that movie so much. <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies. And like where they have to slip on the goggles and the headsets yeah. to have sex. Yeah. And like they're like, because doing it the other way is just like, it's a silly, unnatural, like there's too many fluids. Ew. It's like illegal. And so they're like, we'll just put on our little headsets and then have sex that way. And are we moving towards that kind of experience? Are we moving towards these things where it's going to be sensory? Like I said earlier, we don't have any idea the things that our kids are going to be able to see so should we be starting setting these precedents now of what is acceptable or not because at, and, and at the same time it's like do we really want a world like player ready one um like do i really want that world where i don't interact with anybody in real life where everything's just online like what's wrong with me just watching you know Disney movies and Pixar movies on my TV. Oh, and now you're going to start right. sounding old, though. We're, I, I am. We're going to start sounding yeah, old when you are. say stuff like that because we're sitting there and, like, our kids are going to be sitting there in their little projection rooms and be like, get out. And we're going to be like, you need to f look at a real. Like, I know I'm waiting for the day where, like, m I have a child and they come home and they're like, this is my boyfriend. And it's going to be some AI robot. Yep. And I have to, like, sit there and deal with that no that's when you just tell girl if you don't bring if he doesn't come here in person i ain't accepting it i ain't accepting and they're like dad you can't say the word person it's a robot american <laughs> like i'm gonna hear this i know i will oh my god kind of like the creator yeah kind of like the creator we're just ai it's like yeah. At what point does AI become so super intelligent that they are quote they unquote real? They develop a personality. Mm, I don't know, but we're going to see it like uh, we're going to start seeing things like this. But I find it interesting that some studios are still like really hunkering down on this uh, experiences from in like a personal like thing you can see and touch and tangible and it's tactile. Uh, Bloom Bloomhouse right now is launching a horror exhibit um, at The Shining Hotel. I've been to the Stanley Hotel. I went when I was a child and I got my picture taken in front of room 217. And so this is something that would be like right up my alley. I would love to go to this. I would love to see this. But and that's okay. 
No, I. What do you mean that's okay? I know it's okay. <laughs> you talk down to me because I want to go to. That's okay, little Joe. Yeah, that's okay, little you. Joe. <laughs> I was, but so we're literally at the point right now where Disney is putting out 3D movies for the Apple Vision Pro. Bloomhouse and places like Barbie are making these physical, tactile things, and I think we're kind of seeing a juxtaposition in what we want to see online versus what we want to see in real life. And we're kind of kind of come down to this. And I do think that that comes back to football because I mean, people would rather go to the game and people would rather stay home. But what part of that is being subsidized? Who gets to pay for what? How? Obviously going to the game is way more expensive than watching at home. But some would argue that that premium of staying home and watching it, you should still have to pay something to see it. And here's the thing. We are not moving away from paying for more things. Yeah, facts. We are moving closer, closer than ever. Like I like like people say that $100 is the new $20 because you can't walk outside without spending $100. No. The crazy thing is my mom literally called me today and she was just like, "Man, they raised my cable bill." And nothing got upgraded, nothing got improved, but randomly now my cable bill is now $30 more. My parents refuse to do cable anymore for television just because they've done this their whole life. AT&T, Spectrum, Time Warner Cable, same thing. Nothing upgraded, nothing at all, and they just raise the prices on you for no reason. Why? Because they can, and they will. And they think that you're going to be too lazy to switch providers than to actually just keep paying. See, my mom, so my mom tried. She was like, you know what? I'm thinking about you know getting off of it. And then she called them, and they're like, oh, we'll give you a discount. And she's like, all right, I'll stay. Discount has now ran out. And she's like, oh, well, I'm thinking about getting off. And it's just like, like when I try to unsubscribe from um, Netflix, they were like, hey, guess what? We'll give you a deal. We'll give you a cheaper option, a cheaper rate for, you know, the next few months if you want. Did the same thing for Disney. And I'm just like, why isn't that just the normal rate? Because they're gonna gouge you if you're willing to pay for it. It's almost like negotiate. It's like con- it's like yeah. negotiating a contract all the time. Yeah. We're over here haggling for prices when it's just I don't know. Make it a reasonable price. Yeah. But no, Apple is definitely never gonna make things a reasonable price um, for a while because they are the best. But speaking of you know Apple. Apple um and the decisions they're making tell me a little bit about john stewart is coming back to the daily show and woo i could not be more excited but tell me a little bit about why because i didn't know this okay so if you don't know john stewart was the host of the daily show from like 1999 to 2015 then trevor noah started hosting it all up until 2022 and then for the last past year they've just been cycling through hosts and hosts mm. week and after week and then you would think that this year, especially in the election year, um, they would have found a host. They didn't. And so they were like, you know what? Let's bring back old John. And the crazy thing is, the reason why John, John left, he was like, hey, I don't want to do this daily stuff anymore. Like, I'm trying to chill out. And then he decided, you know what? I want to do a little still talk about, like, what's going on, talk about politics and stuff. And then all of a sudden... He wanted to do a story. If you haven't seen the problem with John Stewart, it's fan- fantastic, great journalism. Um, he interviews different people that represent our country all over different states and stuff like that. Also at the federal level, he does a great deep dive and really grills these people, and it's great. But the next segment that he wanted to do was talking about AI 
and China. Oh. And now Apple makes their stuff from China. And China's also one of their biggest, um, you know, people, a lot of people buy stuff. Purchasers, yeah, yes. Yeah, one of their biggest purchasers. Consumers. Consumers. There you go. That's the word. And he and the, Apple was like, hey, um, the only time we want you to talk about this is if it aligns with what's with Apple. And John's like, no, I have creative rights over what I say and do on the show. And they're like, no, um, you're still owned by Apple. Um, I mean, so <laughs> they, they, if that's in their contract and they can override, like, that's the thing. You got to look at these contracts and make sure that you're all good. And then Apple was like, hey, we will cancel the show if you don't align with us. And he said, yeah. Fuck that then. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not going to break um, my integrity over doing this show. And he, here's the thing that these like companies, I feel like really these big media companies need to understand is these once you get on like a John Stewart level, these people can walk their asses out the door and be slapped with 10 contracts that are better than what you offered them and uh, probably going to give them more creative control. They can make a podcast. I mean, look at Shondaland, right? Yeah. They, she had everything over at Disney ever uh, with ABC and all that fun stuff. She was killing it for them and they pissed her off all they had to do was piss her off by not treating her right and she walked and went to netflix and now we got what we got bridgerton love me some bridgerton i love me some bridgerton yeah ah great show but yeah um so now john stewart is hosting every monday um starting next week and i'm so happy for it i miss um don't get me wrong trevor noah amazing job Loved yes, Trevor Noah. I love. He Trevor was great. Noah. I'm actually very sad that he left. He only put in seven years. I definitely thought he was going to go a lot longer. Only than seven that. years. Yeah, only seven years. Uh, I mean, for for a gig these days, though, like I feel like that's just par for the course. Like that's uh, like double. Like if you, if you really think about it, like how long has Jimmy Kimmel been on? <sighs> Too like long. How, <laughs> like Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Like Stephen Colbert, he's only been on there for I think less than ten years. I feel like he jumps back around. He jumps around a lot. It's like a couple years here, a couple years. Yeah, here. because because Stephen Colbert, he was on with John Stewart. John Stewart founded him, and then he got his own show, um, on Comedy Central, and then moved his show to, uh, is that CBS? Yeah, CBS. Um, and so it's it's uh to find these hosts. I think I think hosting. These, Hosting in general. These weekly shows. These nightly shows. But, I mean, it's really interesting to me because I feel like I sit there and say, I was like, hosting's kind of hard for comedians. But, you, I mean, you have people, everyone, the Tom Dicker Harry, who has a podcast, present company included. Like, at, wh at what point are we saying, like, what, I, I just, I guess what I don't understand is out of a year's worth of people, what was it that we were looking for? What were we trying to see? And I think it was just, I don't know a white liberal man who has an authoritative voice because they had everyone under the star. They had Sarah Silverman. They had Leslie Jones. They had who Leslie else? Jones did a great job. Les Charlemagne. Um, he came on twice. Um, yeah. Like 
But I don't know. Like, like I just want to know at Comedy Central, like, none of these people were good enough to stick around or they didn't want to. I thought Sarah Silverman did a great job, too. I, I mean, I honestly would watch Leslie Jones do some kind of breakdown every single night. But also, it's kind of a slap in your face to all the correspondents that are already on there. That's fair. That I mean, Roy Woods Jr. <laughs> is one of the funniest, just naturally funny guys. And... Don't understand how he did not have like a real opportunity, like a real shot, like of hosting that show. Uh, like he got one week of hosting, and I think he is one of the funniest. Just he sounds country as hell <laughs> when he talks. He talk, but he he comes from the people. You can tell it. And I just love it. I I love it. I follow him on X and listen to like see all of his tweets. Love him. He's so funny, and I just don't understand why he couldn't get an opportunity to host. You know, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I was I was Team Leslie Jones. I really thought that she was gonna pull. She did through. a great job. I thought she was gonna pull through on this one. I think that they're just like looking for. And I think this is a problem with a lot of things under capitalism is everyone's looking to have the widest, not now I said widest with a D, widest general appeal, um, uh, to get the biggest audience they can it's not about isolating a market anymore Facts. no no one wants to isolate a market they no. want to have that's not that's not enough money it's not bringing no enough it's money. not money it's not enough profitable if you aren't making a billion dollars with a b get out of here if you're only making what 200 million dollars i don't like i what how am i supposed to build an entire city on an island in the middle of nowhere it on that i bought when if on two hundred million dollars, that's silly. Yeah. And and you know what? I'm gonna pay you nothing. Like that's the thing, and that's where we're at. Is just everyone's trying so hard to have that general appeal. And you know, I do think John Stewart has a wider general appeal than any of these new up and coming comics and hosts. But at the same time, like again, I love John Stewart. Love his. Stuff. But we grew up with John Stewart. Yeah, John Stewart's been doing this so long. There's other people where it's their time. It's their time to shine. But nobody's giving nobody's giving the John the early John Stewart's their moments. And no. I really feel that. Like no. you look on TV and there like it's all these people in their like late fifties doing these gigs. They just gave Taylor Tomlinson that show, but it's like a game show after midnight and it doesn't make any sense and it's just like like she would have been a great i mean she could have gone up and done the daily show truthfully honestly yeah i think that she would have done a great job but then we're sitting here and giving her these weird like almost like they just like ponder off they're like we'll give her something and like let her work her way up to the good spots i don't i really don't understand the whole after after dark shows um maybe it's just a appeal because you know it's you know la time and stuff like that maybe it's that um but i just don't understand the super like it's a slap in the face to get those super late night shows those super late night shows and then like but then they positioned it as a talk show but then they play it out as a game show and it just doesn't make any sense. And nobody nobody was expecting it. Nobody wanted that. We did want Taylor Tomlinson to get up and do a talk show because we thought it would have been funny and interesting. And we thought she deserved it. And sure, maybe after – but that's the thing is, like, these people sit there and these, peop- these executives making these decisions, they sit there and they make these decisions based off of what they had to go through. But they think that when they got their big shot at 30, they deserved it. Yeah, Taylor Thompson. She's only, she's only thirty. 
She's young. She's a comic. I think she's funny. I've seen a couple of her stand-ups. They're actually pretty funny. Um, but for her to get the the mid the after midnight show, and I mean we've been seeing a few of these. That's where you go die. And I mean, honest. and I mean, but we've been seeing a few of these where it's like I think they had one with Eliza Schlesinger on Freeform for like a couple episodes. Right, but like, who cares about Freeform? <laughs> uh, but I'm, that's what I'm saying is like they keep trying to like they keep trying to like quote unquote give women their due, but it's either after midnight or it's on free form or it's like it's all on YouTube. Of these, oh YouTube it's all of these stupid hoops that they have to jump through yeah. to quote unquote prove themselves. Meanwhile, we can't even find a host for the Daily Show and we gotta bring back John Stewart. Like I said, love John Stewart, but he's only coming back one day a week. Who's gonna do the other four days? Put Taylor Tomlinson in. Leslie Jones, anyone, any or even like a young like I said, a younger actor, give somebody a shot, their break, that whole thing. I just don't think that we really give people shots to like be creative and do interesting things anymore. You have to come with a follow. Like if you want to be, fa- if you want to make it in anything today, you have to come with a follower base of at least a million followers. You have to already have like three movies or contracts under your belt. There's no quote unquote big breaks anymore. Yeah. Well, we'll see what it looks like next week. Um, on the Daily Show. All right. Um, so let's talk about some of the movies we watched this week. Um, one movie that I watched is <sighs> nominated for Best Movie of the Year. Got nominated for Best Actress, Best Screenplay, Best Directing. It's called Poor Things. I'm so jealous. I need to see this movie so bad. And you know what? Poor Things, one thing they did do right is what, whoever ran their TikTok campaign put the perfect things on tiktok for me to want to go see that thank you whoever ran that account okay i'm i'm gonna be honest with you probably top five weirdest movies i've ever seen so here here's the thing you really don't know what the hell's going on for the first hour of the movie oh good we love a journey um so um my thing um let me just give you a little bit of rundown um emma stone is the main character in this movie. Um, her name is Bella Baxter in this movie. And premise is she's a, a wife that commits suicide and jumps in the river and dies. This is the beginning of the movie? This is the very first scene. Oh and it's a weird God. angle, and you have no idea what's going on. You don't even see her die, but you just know she de- she's dead. Okay. Um, then, all of a sudden, William Defoe's in it. Um, he's a doctor. Basically, think of him as Doctor Frankenstein. Perfect. Um, he or whoever made Frankenstein, who who made Frankenstein? Do no, you know? Doctor Frankenstein is the man, and then there's Frankenstein's oh, Frank's monster. monster. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that was right. So yeah, <laughs> so think of Frankenstein. So he doesn't like you. Don't figure out what really happened until about twenty to thirty minutes into the into the movie, but. He found the body out of the river, and then she's a pregnant woman, by the way. She's pregnant. And then he's like, fuck it. I'm going to experiment. So he takes the brain out of the, the fetus and puts the brain into the woman's body, or the woman's body, throws away the baby. What? And then all of a sudden, that's Bella Baxter. So she is a full-grown woman with a baby's brain. 
and you see her journey. That that's the okay. Yeah, now n- now it's weird, isn't it? Now it sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you put it like that, yeah. I mean, infant mutilation, yep. this transfer of consciousness. Yep. It's a very, it's a very slow start, and just a horny Mark Ruffalo. I'm really just so. So basically, here the premise is: he's conducting these experiments, and you literally watch Emma Stone grow up. Like she's first a toddler who can't, like not even toddler, like an infant who can't speak. She struggles to walk. Like you see her go through like age three, toddler stages. She's struggling to walk and stuff like that. Dad. She calls William Defoe God. Willem Defoe, yes. Yeah. Calls calls him God the entire time. Um and God? God. And then you you see there's some it, like weird power structure things in this movie. The thing is, he can't he won't have sex with her. Oh, thank God there's some morals from God. Because his dad mutilates him, so that's why he can't like have his you know his his penis or anything so it's like not that. that he won't it's that he can't yes 100, God. 100 million percent. Duh. but he like but this is like brought up as a point in the movie yes it oh is jesus up. christ <laughs> so um you then have this nice guy come in he's like trying to um study under um dr goodwin um godwin baxter he's trying to study under him and then he's like hey i want you to watch my experiment and then Emma Stone's character, Bella, gets a, starts to slowly get older and older. And then, like, about time she turns eight, that's when Mark Ruffalo's character comes in. So, is her body, like, does she age like a normal person would in her head, but her body's still aging normally? Or does she? So, during the experiment, like, so, like, um, Rami um, Yusuf, his character, Max, is like doing daily things and he says man she's like learning bunches of words like every single day like you can see her cognitive ability is rapidly so she's growing to, uh, at a faster rate her than- mind is not her body her body's a normal body and her brain is really adapting to her body okay but you can see that she's she's aging like cognitively much quicker okay than like a normal baby would okay but then you have Mark Ruffalo's character, who's just, uh, his name's Duncan. He's a douchebag and a horny douchebag. Oh, my type. And the thing is, so imagine, so like, let's be honest. Imagine you're eight, like an eight-year-old, maybe maybe 10-year-old, uh-huh. and you have a, a grown body. The first thing we all think that's going to happen is you're going to discover your genitals. Well, especially at that, I mean... <laughs> Not that, but I mean, <laughs> at eight years old, we all like kind of, that's when you like start asking those questions. Yeah. So Emma Storm's horny as shit. Oh God. So she, fu- yeah. so like literally at one point she starts masturbating and like figures it out. Oh my God. She, and she quote. I mean, we've all been there. She's like, quote, Hey doctor, <laughs> let me show you how to make yourself happy all the oh, time. No. And she takes like a, like a fucking thing and starts shoving it up her vagina. And so then Mark Ruffalo's character, Duncan, shows up like he's a lawyer or something like that, shows up and he finds Emma Stone's character and he's like, hey, like, let's go away. Let's run away. Let me take you everywhere. And Emma Stone's like, hey, I will marry this person 
but let me go discover myself first, and then I'll marry the um, I'll marry Yusuf's uh, Rami Yusuf's character later, and then it's just a fuck fest after that. Oh my! Like she's fucking and fucking and fucking nonstop. Oh, oh. You see, you see a lot of her naked and having sex. Oh goodness! I yes. Okay, that's not. I guess. That's not where I thought that none of this is where I thought this was gonna go. I'm kind of intrigued. Um, but it's like actually like a really good movie. Like if you look at the underlying things of like how, you know, a woman's growing up and a woman a woman's trying to find herself. Um, all these men have somehow kind of controlled her in some kind of way of saying you can't do this, you can't do this. Hey, it's not appropriate for a woman to do do this, whatever like that. And she's like, no, she. Like, you finally discover, like, she she goes through her teen years, then she becomes, like, you know, um, post-18, then she becomes a full adult at the very end. But, like, you see her discovering that, like, hey, I'm my own person, I'm my own, like, woman, and I get to dictate what I do and don't want to do. Um, she does become a prostitute in the, in the movie. And, um... Oh, good yeah. for her. So, um, she was, like... Wait, I can make myself happy and get paid for this? Girl, that's just OnlyFans. That's OnlyFans. God. So, but like it's actually a very very good like like movie. Um it's weird as shit. And again, if you just want to see Emma Stone naked, you will see plenty of her having sex. Um Yeah, uh, any of Mark Ruffalo? Yeah, he has sex with her. Well, I mean, is, yeah. okay, good. Well, then there's Do not see you at, do you see his dick? So, okay, well, I guess we'll, I'll have to find out when I go see it. You see a couple dicks. You 100% see a couple dicks. Oh, well, then there we go. Fun for the whole family. <laughs> and by the whole family, I mean all adults. Yeah, um, but, um, and being honest, I give poor things, it's like between a six and seven. Um, I, I would have to go with seven because Emma Stone acts her ass off. Like, she is phenomenal in the movie. She's real, like, definitely the best character. William, um, um defoe's character is amazing i think he actually like plays a great far father figure even though he did say he wanted to have sex but can't um and i thought it was a great movie um i thought it was very slow to start and you didn't know where it's going but once you kind of saw the trage- trajectory of what's going to happen and the underlying backstory i thought it was a great movie it's kind of like think about this it's like barbie but not for the whole family. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! She leaves Barbie Land and becomes a whore. That's that's yeah. yeah. That's, yeah when she goes to a when that, she goes to real life, she oh just becomes God. a whore. Oh, you know what? I mean, in an alternate universe, that there is that movie. Um, but speaking about alternate universes, yeah, what, what uh, movie did you watch? Um, I watched uh, Landscape with Invisible Hand, and it was. An interesting movie. And here's the thing about this movie. I rated about a 6 out of 10, but it was almost like the premise was too silly for how serious they were making it and vice versa. The Mm. subject matter, they just... It was too sci-fi for serious people to want to take it seriously. And it was a little too silly to be a serious movie. I think that with this cast, they could have gone definitely a lot funnier, a lot sillier, and really leaned into that and made it a little more comedy. Yeah, especially with Tiffany Haddish. Especially with, the, yeah, Tiffany Haddish is the mom. Like and William she, Harper. She could have really 
made this, but I could, I can tell that they wanted to be very serious with the tone because it was all very allegorical. So what it is, is this alien race comes to the United States, comes to earth and just like immediately takes over. They made some deals with some people. They were like, hello government. We would like to take over. And the government was like, no. So then they went to corporations. The aliens went, surpassed them, went to corporations and started setting up a new society based off of what they would want because what there was a lot of money to be made for them and it was profitable so to partner with the aliens to take over the human so race. So you're telling me that that there's going to be corporations that are willing to sell out the human race for I money? I know. It's crazy. It's not like certain people like Elon Musk or Daddy Bezos would even think of doing that. That would be crazy. Uh, One million trillion percent. I can easily see Elon being like, yeah, deuces. Yeah, he'll be like, he'll be like, I'll take all. He's like, I'll do anything the aliens wants for a check. hundred um, percent. And he's like, and I have the infrastructure to do it because he has NASA in his pocket and all that fun stuff. But anyways, um, so in this movie, you're seeing this and a lot of wealthy people moved on to these kind of. I don't know how to say it, like hover cities above Earth where the aliens live, but then also the rich people live. So then all the poor people got left behind on Earth. Like us. Yeah, like most people. And uh, when this happened, the aliens brought a lot of their technologies with them, making certain jobs. Of course, the only ones making obsolete on the planet. And it kind of became an us versus them storyline. And so with this, uh, there were a lot of people going through a lot of hardships and like people didn't know how to deal with that. And so there was this one kid, they're all at school and you can see them uh, w- put on their little AI or AI um, augmented reality things that came from these companies that these companies sold that you have to have at school now in order to see the new curriculum. So then the aliens start teaching the kids. That's the future. Yeah. And that the, the then the aliens start teaching the kids all about that stuff. And like the teacher is not even a part of it. He's just there basically to turn the lights on and off. And he's just sitting there angry and you can tell and we all know why and it's because he's probably gonna get replaced soon um by these shout out to teachers shout out to teachers shout out to all teachers you know you do too much and it's and, but you will get replaced by aliens but you <laughs> but you will percent. get replaced by aliens it's, real quick it's a really fun story about it so with this this guy, this kid, his uh, real name is uh, Asante Black. He plays Adam Campbell. And with him, he gets a crush on this girl. And it turns out girl's living in her car with her dad and her brother because dad can't find a job, doesn't know what to do. So the ki- so this kid's like, hey, I have a house with a mom and a sister. You should come live with us and stay in our basement without even saying anything to Tiffany Haddish. And imagine going up to Tiffany Haddish and being like, hey, mom, I brought this whole white family home to live in the fucking basement. She would beat your ass She so would beat quick. your ass. And that, and that was <laughs> kind of their stuff. But like, she was like, they can stay for a few days. We'll figure something out. I know how hard it is, that kind of stuff. Like, She's trying to play it really like whatever. And then obviously money is a huge issue in this because they have these people basically freeloading off of them and they don't have the means like it's it and there's this con in the movie there's this constant question of how much do we owe our fellow neighbor because we're poor 
but we have a house. So does that make me, do I have to give everyone who lives under an overpass a, uh, for like a place to sleep in my house? Is that what I'm supposed to do with a person? And it really keeps going back and forth on that question. Eventually it gets to the point where we find out that the, these alien creatures don't know what love is. They've never seen it. They don't understand it. It's a specifically very human experience. It's a lot of humans who also don't know what love is. I don't know. I want to know what love is. Um, but they just don't understand like the feeling of a crush or following in, falling in love. They don't see that as a something that they are able to comprehend or able to do. So, they continue on, and it turns out that you can live stream through the little things, chips that they put on their heads. This is going to happen, guys, in the next it, 20 it, years. It, it was actually kind of horrifying. Like I was like, <laughs> this is a little... T- I was like, aliens aside, this is going to happen no matter what. Yes. Um. Uh, so uh, they're sitting there, and they are putting on these live broadcasts of them going on first dates, and them falling in love with each other, and them actually... Having sex? In, they are Sucks. they are teenagers, so it doesn't go there. I mean, um, they well, you don't put that on. We don't put that in movies. <laughs> anyway, um, euphoria. <laughs> that's television. <laughs> <laughs> um, and honestly, we that's a whole other topic topic of conversation. Teenagers, sex scenes, TV shows, movies, pro or con? Personally, con. But anyways, um, uh, we can talk about that another day. Uh, for the sake of this conversation, uh, with landscape with invisible hand, we are currently talking about. They're gonna. They're showing their love lives. They're showing like what it means, and so there's constantly this back and forth. And but you see them kind of turn into this influencer couple, which we are all aware of. Get to the point where they are getting very wealthy. They are making money off of this by Pe- going on dates and because st- aliens are because wa- aliens are watching, and so they're making thousands of dollars. It's influencing. It's like it's, love on on a spectrum. No, it's literally just being an influencer. Love like on th- a spectrum. that's what they're. I, <laughs> 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 that sh- that show. We, I don't want to talk about that. Show. <laughs> like it's it's a great idea, but it's very infantilizing and that whole thing. Yep. Anyway, um, uh, but. It's just like um, what influencers are doing now with uh, how they're living their lives. But at some point, because of the stress of the kids are now making the money, the parents are dirt poor, but one is kind of freeloading off the other, and then they start kind of paying rent, but then they want more rights because they're paying rent in the house. And Tiffany Haddish is like, this is my fucking house. So uh, she's like, I don't have to let you live here. Like, I don't like you want to negotiate. We can negotiate my the fucking deed to my house because I live here. So and she has every right to. That's the thing. And that's the thing is it kind of starts devolving into these kids realizing that if we keep making more money, our parents will stop fighting and like, uh, like then we'll be able to be happy and we'll be able to be good. But then the kids kind of start growing up and she and the, the girl, she realizes that uh, the guy, he is in a position of power over her. And so she's trying to 
work that. And so he starts to wonder, did she even like me at all? Did she even like, or was this so all just a big ploy? And sounds it, like a typical and influencer he, couple. And here, <laughs> we, and here we are making this money together in this business that we built together as teenagers that our parents need to live off of. Because that's the thing is there before they started making money, they were all eating like cubes of 3D printed meat and vegetables and nutrients and things that were basically given to them by the aliens or not given to them what they paid for. But that was the only food left because that's what the aliens decided was worth food keeping. Again, 20 years from now, <laughs> that's going to happen. We're going it to really is. And that's the thing is like the whole time in Scape with Invisible Hand, uh, Landscape with Invisible Hand was that it felt like I was watching the future regardless of these aliens. They were almost tertiary to the experience because you're sitting there and you're seeing all these things. So then what happens? Kids get sued by the aliens because they start fighting too much and the aliens feel that their relationship is not authentic to the experience that they are paying for. And so they sue these kids. And the thing is, when you sue kids on this alien planet who's gonna what like who's gonna tell them so then they said nothing so they said you can either repay back all the money that you've made which was like something of fifteen thousand dollars at this point or it, it was probably more than that i can't even remember right now but uh there's like either you pay back all the money that you got from us which they of course spent on living because they haven't been able to this entire time and they're like well that's not an option and they were like and she go and this alien goes great then you're going to have to work it off for the next 64 generations or some shit like that like your kids are going to have to pay it back slowly over time until this money comes back to us aliens and damn what does that sound like a motherfucking credit card Jesus, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> it's it's a lot. It was a lot coming on at me, and I maybe I mean, maybe it was later, but like at no, I it's got to be about half because about half the movie I remember they were dealing with the alien and then going off all all this stuff. Jesus, and then like and then that brings even more eyeballs to the kid and to this family and what's going on there, and it really kind of just like any moral question you had, whether it's influencers in their place in society whether it's uh the legal ramifications of being able to actually like make such huge corporate monoliths at the top of the government and running that government like obviously with aliens but they're the ones who are on these cities with the aliens they're yeah. going through it and it, a lot of people became indentured servitudes indentured servants in in servitude of these creatures and so it kind of just goes yeah. it's like basically and also i didn't even mention the deadbeat dad storyline there's a whole thing yeah. like it's it there's so much that happens in this movie that but there's only so there's so few characters that you really get to dive and this in. is only an hour and 45 minutes yeah long. <laughs> It, yeah. it goes fast. And like, that's the thing is it's like, it's one scene and they're just showing you things that happen in these people. So would you lives. say the pacing is, is it? I liked the pacing because it got, it got through the whole thing. Okay. Now let's talk about some TV shows. So Joe, what have you watched? Well, speaking of narrative stories that just jump right in the middle and you don't know what's going on. I've been watching expats on Amazon. This show it has two episodes out now. It is, very interesting, very drama, very heavy-esque. You have Nicole Kidman, who is 
I swear to God, this woman is seven feet tall, the way they place her next to these short-ass characters. And then they put her in heels, and she just looks like a beautiful, skinny, gigantic woman with the fuckiest-ass bob you've ever seen in your life. And she's just... (laughs) The bob. The bob. And she's with a bob with bangs, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. A bob with bangs. And she's just bobbing around Hong Kong. You know, she's very upset, and we don't know why she's upset, because we we haven't got there in the story yet. And then you see, like, her neighbors and all these people, and uh, there's this one girl, and nobody, nobody knows what's going on or why until you get to the second episode, of course. Um, but no, this show, how do I describe this show? It's got a little bit of like, I don't want to say succession vibes, but it's very like, Ooh. it's very like wealthy American expatriates who live in Hong Kong and they're just like living their best lives. All of them have all this money and kind of like, What's going on? But how, however, there is a tragedy, and I can't say the tragedy I can, without giving too much away. But there is this young uh, Korean girl who is living in Hong Kong, and she plays a very important part in this, in all of this. And you can see her kind of moving in and out of the relationships with this family and what's going on. And uh, it's just a really interesting show in the fact that I love Nicole Kidman and I'll always watch anything she does and she can act her ass off on anything, even if it's being a rich expat in uh, Hong Kong. I love to see it. Guys, when I tell you this man really does love Nicole Kidman. I love Nicole. Every time we go to the movies at AMC, (laughs) every time, (laughs) he has to say the, the Nicole Kidman anthem. Because heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Jesus Christ, Jordan! But every every time, every time, we're not even seeing a heartbreak movie. Why? Why do you have to sell me that line? Because Jordan, in this theater, shut up. Shut our up, heroes, up. our heroes, feel like the best parts <laughs> oh <my> of us. <laughs> I'm so done. He's with mad you. because oh god. I'm so done with you. Um, that indescribable feeling when the lights begin to dim. Um, let me talk about a TV show that's given me. Oh, what's what's what is the TV show you've been talking? You don't want to talk about Nicole Kidman again? No. There's only two episodes out, so I'm still learning to see what's going on. But if you're looking just for a prime time drama, something to like tickle your brain, something to like really see a deep dive into characters and it's kind of a different thing. I've never seen a show about expats in Hong Kong before, and so it's just interesting to see a look into that world that yeah. I've never even thought about. Okay. Um, and you know what's a world that a lot of people haven't thought about? Yeah. Anime. <laughs> uh, Anime. So, guys, um, I'm going to. I always watch different kind of TV shows, um, and I like anime. Anime is a fun, great medium. I thought I think it's great. I loved my Saturday cartoons growing up. Every single Saturday morning, watching something that just, you know, tickles your fancy as a kid. And I'm a giant kid. Um, so I will talk about anime a lot on this, um, but also I'll talk about serious TV shows that I've watched. Um, but, and I've convinced Joe to watch a couple of anime uh, shows. That's right. Here on Double Trapper Features, we're here to talk to you about Emmy and Oscar awarding actresses and anime. Go yeah. work. I do love me some anime though. Um, and so new anime came out. Um, it's only four episodes deep in Crunchyroll. But it has the potential. God, another subscription. It has the potential to 
to really be a heavy hitter. To be a heavy hitter. Yes. Right now, okay, it's only four episodes in. It's an eight out of ten right now. I feel like I feel like anime is about to see a vacuum with the end of Attack on Titan. I feel like Attack on Titan has been the most mainstream yeah. like anime. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what takes its place. Do you think this I, could be it? I don't think it's going to take its place because okay. it's not as serious oh, as okay. Attack on Titan. It's more fun, more uh, silly. It's yeah, it's a little bit more fun. Um, but has a kind of a dark theme actually. Oh. So first two episodes, okay. Basically, what happens is these random holes in the universe, like in on Earth, just open up, and there's monsters Been in there. It. Yeah, there's there's monsters in it, and just a bunch of people randomly get some supernatural abilities. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Okay, and they're all ranked from like you know S tier, A, B, C, D, E. Mm. E is like you are shit. And you are not strong at all. So like an um, like the opposite of an omega level mutant. Yes. God. Okay. Um, and so basically, a lot of workers are people who have these powers. They go into these holes, or some people call them dungeons. They go in the dungeons. They kill monsters. They take their pe- like parts and stuff like that, sell them, and that that's how they make an earnest living. Well, you have the S tier who are like super rich and like famous because, you know, they're the most, the strongest people. The most deserving. Yeah. So like typical anime fashion, there's this weak guy. He's super weak. He's super not strong at all. Gets, gets nothing. um, But he's a good guy. So he goes into this dungeon. He's been in a couple dungeons. He gets hurt every single time he goes into one. And so this one girl's yelling at him, like, why are you even doing this anymore? I'm tired of healing you all the time. And so, but they go in as a party. It's like Luffy with the Pirate King. He's like, I'm going to be the Pirate King. No, but Luffy was strong at the beginning. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So this guy, um, they go in the dungeon. He gets stabbed um, at the very beginning. Girl heals him, and they clear the dungeon. And they're like, but one person finds a door. And they're like, what's this door to? And they're like, ooh, I've heard of like a double dungeon where there's a dungeon within a dungeon. Inception. Um, and <laughs> Inception. <laughs> and they all vote to go in. Some people are like, no, I don't want to. But other people said, yeah, let's go. In. So we still live in a democracy. Good. Yeah. So they go in. Um, and this is in Korea. And they, they're looking around and they're like, what the hell is going on? Then... It was a po- they were originally in like a, a D D tier dungeon, very light, easy. Okay. They end up in like an A tier dungeon. Oh, like a black like a double diamond, double black yes. diamond. Oh, it's like skiing everyone. And so basically what happens is almost everybody dies. <laughs> of course. <laughs> everybody just gets like on a double killed. black diamond, just like me going down the going down the skis. Yeah. Th- that's me dying. Okay. And so at the end it, the the main protagonist, he starts to figure out, hey, this is how you kind of solve this dungeon. But then it gets to a point where, okay, one person has to stay. And then everybody's like, hey, man, you've been a great guy, but fuck you. I have a family. I have this and this and that. And so then they leave. And this one girl is like, I'm sorry and stuff like that. And the leader of the group, he's like, hey, I messed up. I should sacrifice my, my life. But the main protagonist is like, well, my leg got chopped off, um, so I guess I'm going to stay here. And basically everybody except for three people die. 
And then the main protagonist, he's left, like, on this sacrificial, like, t- um, table. And he gets fucking chopped up, beat the fuck out, burned, every fucking torture By thing. monsters? Yes. And then, be like, his last breath, all of a sudden, a game menu pops up. And it says, hey, guess what? Do you want to restart? What? Do you want to restart this? You have completed this mission. It's like the the last sacrifice. And like his dying breath, he says yes. Then he wakes up into the hospital bed. And nobody knows what happened. Everybody's like, what the fuck? Like, how are you alive? And then the menu tells him, you have a quest. You have to complete these daily quests. First time he says. Daily quests? Yeah, he's like, what the fuck is this? He's like, I don't know. Nobody can see this menu but him. And so he's like, I'm not going to do this. He has 24 hours to do it. Doesn't do it. All of a sudden, his body appears into, the, into a desert filled with a giant-ass worm monster about to attack him. And he's like, what the fuck? And then the next quest says, you have to survive for not completing your last test. And he's like, what the hell? So then... I, so it's like Dune. Yeah, kind of like Dune. And somehow... He survives, and then he does his daily quest. And so it's called solo leveling because he gets the ability to, like, actually increase his stats, to actually level up. And so he goes into these, but he can't do it with other people. So he goes into these dungeons by himself and starts killing all these monsters and stuff like that, and he levels up. Okay. So he gets stronger, faster. He gets all so, this um different abilities. So when, I, I okay. So when he wakes up in the hospital, this is a hospital in the same world. Yes. Okay. Like in like in America, like, like America, like in Korea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He wakes up, and again, everybody has these abilities and stuff yeah. like that. But you are set to whatever ability you are given, and then he has the superpower of. He gets to increase his level. Oh. So, again, he is E-tier, so he is terrible as shit. And what happens is, again, it's only four, four episodes deep, but I've read part of the manga and stuff like that. He gets stronger and stronger, and eventually he's going to become the badass because of how much of a, how high of a level he is getting. So it's... When I tell you the anime is like the animation, super, super crisp, super slick. It's amazing. Um, they're the it's A one pictures done by they did Fate, Fairy Tale, and Sword Art online, and it is amazing. Great fights already. When I tell you it's worth the watch, it's definitely going to be one of the best animes of twenty twenty four. Well, now that we've been talking about subs and dubs, there's one more thing that we want to talk about is snubs. And what are we going to be talking about for the rest of the time here, Jordan? Guys, we all know it's award season. And the biggest awards for movies, of course, is the Covenant Academy Awards or the Oscars. The Oscars, a time of opulence, glamour. Um, So let's just talk about the biggest movies of this year on the Oscar stage. 13 nominations, Oppenheimer, 11 for Poor Things, um, 10 for Killer of the Fla- Killers of the Flower Moon, 8 for Barbie, 7 for uh, Mastro, and then 
another a lot of a bunch of other movies like American Fiction, Anatomy of the Fall, The Holdovers, The Zone of Interest, Napoleon the Creator, and a bunch of other movies. Um, is there anything that surprised that kind of caught you off? Uh, well, Any snubs? That I you- mean, uh, other than the obvious, no. I mean, here's the thing. Okay, we love the Barbie movie. We all love it. And there were some really great performances coming out of that. But the fact, and you, we may disagree on this, but the fact that the guy who played Ken, Ryan Gosling, got a nomination over Margot Robbie is highway robbery. It just doesn't make any sense. And I'm not saying anyone doesn't deserve it over Margot Robbie. And I'm not saying Margot Robbie deserves it over anyone else other than Ryan Gosling, because I don't think that we should have one up there without the other. Yeah, but those are two completely different categories. And, uh, one's, one's, again, for men, uh, and the other one's for women. And yes, Ken got put in there for a man category, and Margot didn't for the Betch Actress, because there are five other women who performed better than Margot Robbie. And that's fair, but I mean, does that just mean that there weren't that many good male roles. Like it was, and I'm not saying that Ryan Gosling didn't deserve it, but I just don't think he deserved it over Margot Robbie. So, I mean, that's kind of what I'm wondering is like, was were male performances just that far down or did every man see a mediocre white man sit up in there and start singing? I'm just Ken and I am Knuff, and I am Knuff. nominated for, uh, for an Oscar. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. We know. And <laughs> here's my here's my thing with it. The I'm just Ken thing and I am Knuff. Okay. I get that straight men felt seen in that moment and then acted like it was the first time that they had ever seen themselves perform per- portrayed in film before. And it, it it just felt so I don't know, like we were just made the, it it just ended up making the whole thing about Ken. And these men are just like, "Yeah, we got it. We got it. We get all this stuff and uh, Margot Robbie didn't uh, hold on hold on on first okay everybody including men who went to the movie and especially it's a lot of fathers who took their daughters to go see Barbie I, okay a lot a lot of dads went to go take their daughters to go see Barbies okay, okay. we all knew this is a mostly woman movie mm-hmm. okay and I think the movie, again, I gave it a nine from, from last year. It's one of my favorite movies of last year. And I mean, we dressed up for, for Halloween together. We did, 100%. And I thought it was fantastic. I think that Margot Robbie's character, Barbie, main Barbie, normal Barbie, was one of the, was not that great. I thought she, I thought she did fine. I thought she did okay. But, like, again, I understand you and me got are different, are, are different opinions. But I don't think Margot Robbie really brought that much to the character of Barbie. I just don't. But who? I just don't think anyone else could have played that character the way that she did. A lot of people could. A lot of people could play Big Dumb Ken. And but that's the uh, thing. But that's the thing is we're sitting here. But that's like the whole point of the movie is we're sitting here arguing men versus women again, which is the point of the movie is that it doesn't have to be that way. But the I am Knuff, the whole thing with Ken is that he wanted to feel seen. He wanted to feel heard. He felt like he wasn't seen or heard. Mm-hmm. 
and you don't feel seen, you didn't feel heard, you felt like Ryan Gaza made you feel seen and heard. But Whoa. on the flip side of you're that... Putting, you're putting words in my mouth. Uh, you're definitely putting words in my mouth. You just said he would give the, that performance. No, I thought that... I thought Ryan Gosling personally... Okay? And again, we have different opinions. But I think Ryan Gosling personally really put in way... Like, it made me really believe in that character of Ken. Yes, he played a dumb guy. Okay? Yes, we've seen a lot of dumb guys before. But I think that, man, Ryan Gosling played one of the stupidest guys I've seen. And I loved it. But, uh, okay. And you loved it. You got to think, like, he put some of the most funniest parts in the movie. But you loved it because you related to that character. Okay. Did you uh, not relate to that character at all? No. Really? It's a it's a doll. Oh my god. Okay? I think 100% uh Amara Ferreira so, deserved so, her um Oscar nomination for best supporting actress cuz a lot of women really did identif- and, identify with her. And being, I agree. Yeah, being an older like you get grow out of these things and like again her monologue that she did about be how hard it is to be a woman that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. I I thought she put on a fantastic performance. So so you so okay, I agree. She put on a great performance and it was fantastic, but that's not really like what See and, and again, we're just forgetting, oh, guess what? Margot Robbie, man, this is dumb. Barb, the, the Oscars are on some bullshit. They hate women. When Which, Amer- no, there Amer- were Ferrar I, 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 literally got nominated. And I'll and I'll and I'll concede and I do concede on the on the point that like this was not a loss for feminism. There are still five amazing actresses who did get nominated. It's not like she like lost that role to somebody who doesn't deserve it. I just I I don't know. I don't see like and the, and that's the thing is like I most of like people who were on or are on the side of Margot Robbie or whatever, we just didn't see Ken, like Ryan Gosling perform Ken as this something like to be. I mean, it was a great performance. It was fun. It was lively. It was jubilant. And I do think America Ferrera deserves one over both of them. But I just don't understand how we live in a world where Ken the doll gets nominated over Barbie the doll and we're sitting here having this discussion but that's the thing and that's what they were kind of talking about in the movie was we're sitting here pitting men and women against each other and I'm sitting here downplaying men you're sitting here downplaying women and we're just I'm downplaying women yes you're downplaying Margot Robbie's role because you think that anyone could have gone out there and performed that that's what you said and that's downplaying her role no I just didn't think that she brought that much I thought that you're downplaying what she did McKinnon for weird Barbie Great, amazing performance that I can only see Kate McKinnon do. Okay? I think there are a lot of nuances that you miss in Margot Robbie's role that you just don't understand. And that's fine that you don't understand that. What nuances? The nuances of becoming an entire no, 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 ass no. human being okay, again, and understanding. So the don't cut me off. Don't ask a question and cut me off. You you are thinking about you're not separating the actress from the character. No, and, and I'm def- talking about the actress's performance of the character right now, if you let me finish. Go, go, go. Okay. Go. When we're sitting here and when they're talking about everything, when she's going into the world and she says, oh, I'm so excited that there's going to be all these amazing things, that there's going to be like this cacophony of applause for Barbie as because all Barbie, everything is fine with feminism That's because not of Barbie. about Margot Robbie at all. And so when they go to the real world and they're playing that and they're showing the different aspects of their 
initial reactions to the real world. And Ken's over here like, oh, everything's great. Everyone respects me. Everything's awesome. And she's over here literally saying like, I feel unsafe in my body. I feel like I don't know what's going on. I d cannot possibly understand this kind of energy that's being thrown at me because I've never had to deal with this energy kind before. And everyone who's not a, a straight man knows what that fear is like. And, know it. and she portrayed it in a kind of funny, kind of silly, goofy way, but like also really cut to the core of how we feel just going out in everyday life. Another example I'm going to give you is when she's sitting at the table with the woman who created Barbie, that character, and she's going through all of her emotions and how she feels about everything. And this is before we get to the scene where she sees her again and she becomes human and she understands like what it means to feel and she's walking through all of these things with her. She's like, I need you to understand that we're going through all, like you're going to be going over these things. You need to understand that these are happening. These are all things that Margot Robbie did where Ryan wasn't even in the scene. All of the heart of that movie was from Margot Robbie. Or all of it, all, everything. And yeah, he had some funny jokes. He played guitar. He had a good time and he did it really well. But the heart and soul of that movie was emulated. Was not Margot Robbie's character. It was Amara Farrar's character. It was her character. It's not about Barbie. It's about growing up, getting older, and being a woman. She in this was real America world. Ferrari's Barbie. Barbie, exactly. So, but you felt it not from Barbie's. I felt character. it through Barbie's character. Okay, again, again, we can disagree because we didn't even see America Ferrara through the first half of that movie. And the first half of the movie, Margot Robbie didn't do anything to impress me like that. She didn't. She didn't. Okay, uh, but but Ryan but, but Ryan Gosling acting dumb did. But again. We can both agree that Greta should have got it off. Greta should have got it. Yeah. That, here's the thing. We, we're over here bitching about it. The real person who got snubbed, Greta Gerwig. This woman has th her first three directorial debut movies. First three all got nominated for Best Picture, and she hasn't gotten Best Director once. She's not nominated. No. Like, are you? what are we even doing yeah. at this point? No, Greta, I think um, I've seen Poor Things, Oppenheimer, um, I'm going to start Killer of the Flower Moon this this week. Um, Anatomy of Fall, I think all deserve it. I haven't seen Zone of the Interest, and I haven't heard that much about it. Um, so I'm going to watch it just to see, like, what it's about. But I really do think Greta deserves it. Like, I, I definitely think she deserves the nomination for Best Director. Um, the Her directing skills are on par with anybody else i mean she just creates a world in everything that she does she just creates that world and that moment and she does such a good job at it but yeah and so yeah i i think that to me not the margot robbie but greta not getting a, a director nomination especially for the biggest movie of the year i think that's the biggest snub um but what do you think are some of the dark horses in the the big four um, best movie. What do you think is the dark horse? We all know the presumptuous winner is probably going to be Oppenheimer. Yeah, we all think it's going to be Oppenheimer. And I think, I don't know, I I keep seeing all this buzz about the holdovers. I really need to watch it. Yeah. I really want to enjoy it. It That's the thing is like, I keep seeing all of this buzz and what's going on. I don't know what to watch unless I want to watch it all. But girls, I, I, I have a job. I cannot sit here and watch all of these movies. And some of them are three hours long, four hours long. That's what we're really talking about, the length of movies. Um, but no, for the best film, I want to say the Dark Horses, maybe the holdovers. I think that they're 
like really propping that movie. It up. gives you it gives you that eighties feel. Um, you know, being being trapped over over the winter break, and Paul Giamatti, um, who I think is the dark horse for best actor, over Killian um, Murphy. I they, want- they've done a great job. I love the style of the holdovers because it, it, it feels doesn't feel tw- 2024, mm-hmm. 2023, I mean, when the movie came out. Feels like it's made back in the 80s, and it's kind of more of a homier, lower-budget movie, but it it looks like one of the great greater movies of last year. And I understand why that's your dark horse. I think Poor Things, that's my dark horse for best movie. Um, again, I gave it a 7 out of 10, and I gave Oppenheimer a 9. Um, but... When I tell you Emma Stone really performed her ass off, and I think it had a much better message throughout the movie really? over Oppenheimer. Again, it's... I mean, what what is the message of Oppenheimer? We should not have created nuclear bombs. Facts. Like, that, <laughs> like that's the message. That's the thing. It's like three hours of, hey, we shouldn't have done this. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Poor Things would be my best um, movie, Dark Horse. Um, what do you think... Dark Horse for Best Actress. I, but well, well, first, if we want to say Dark Horse for the a- Best Actress, we got to say who you think it's going to be. Who do you think it's going to be? It's going to be Emma Stone. I'll bet money that it's going to be Emma You know, Stone. I kind of think, I, but I'm also, there's two that I'm interested in that I've been seeing, and that's Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon. She's been getting a lot of really good press lately. Yeah. Rightfully so. We all love to see it. And um, Sandra Hewler? Yeah. So Sandra and Anatomy of the Fall puts on a show. You don't know if she killed her husband or not. Mm. The whole entire time you're thinking at one point she plays this innocent person. And then the next moment you see that they're arguing. And when I tell you I felt the argument, I felt that argument. And then but the thing is, it wasn't like a am just screaming and yelling. It's more of a like, hey. This conversation is beneath me, and she plays like she's the bigger person mm-hmm. when she's the one in the wrong, and it just pisses you off as an audience member. And her husband's like, hey, I couldn't do this because of you. I couldn't do this. because," And she's like, well, guess what? You're weak. You're this. Like, I'm sorry that you can't write, but I can. I'm sorry about your idea. And then she just goes on and starts yelling. And the entire time, you're just like, did this, did this bitch do it? Did she kill him? I don't know. And and when I tell you, Sandra really did put on a show. She put on a show. But I I just think personally. It's going to go to Emma Stone. Emma Stone had Emma Stone had range. She had to perform as, again, a toddler all the way to an adult. And that takes That's range. To do. Yeah. That takes range. It takes a lot to do. Um, uh. And then, again, with Anatomy of Fall, best director with Justine. I think that she's the dark horse. We probably is going to go to Christian, Christopher Nolan. If it doesn't go to Christopher Nolan, it's probably going to go to um, Scorsese. Well, we sure know it's not going to Greta Gerwig. Yeah, unfortunately. Still, that's what I'm really mad about. But Justine, that's my um, best director. I thought the whole entire movie that she did, it was different. It was different in a good way, okay? I think that the director for... Poor things. That was different in a weird way. Um, the re- direction for that one, 
don't know how to say their name, Yorgos um, Lathema. I don't know how to say it. I'm just going to be honest. Um, that was directing in a weird way. But I think Justine did Anatomy of the Fall. She's the only woman that got nominated this year for Best Director. And I definitely think that she deserves it over Oppenheimer. And But I haven't watched Killer, Killers of the Flower Moon, so... Maybe Martin Scorsese, you know. I don't know. know. I don't know. That's going to wrap up our episode um, this week. Um, again, you can catch us on on wherever you get your podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Um, follow us on Double Trouble Features. Um, again, I'm your host, Jordan. And I'm Joe. Peace.